Good morning and welcome. If I missed you guys earlier, my name is Wayne, the pastor here at DCC. And uh, as we get started, uh, we're in a new space, as most of you know, and uh, it's the, the, the requirements here are a little bit different than we have had this summer. And so one is, you know, they're allowing us for whoever's on stage, this is the stage, um, except for that person who's engaging, they're asking that we keep a mask on while we're in here at all times. And so if you can help us out by doing that today, I really appreciate it. <laughs> and so uh, it's, you know, this is a, we're really thankful to be here. We're looking forward to this relationship. And so we're in nicer facilities, which is amazing. We're really excited about that. So we've just got to act a little more prestigious, I guess. <laughs> and so if you guys can do that for me, I just really appreciate that. And, um, and so, yeah, so that's, um, and then we're working on this, but, um, but right now, water only in this environment. We love to engage with food. We're bringing bagels back soon, which we're really excited about. <laughs> and uh, so we're working on those parameters as well. But you're invited before and after our service to connect with us in this beautiful me mezzanine that we have here. And uh, we're going to start asking people to come at 1030 to hang out if you want to. And then our service will start at 11 a.m. as well. Uh, just a, a, we're creating a time for us to connect with one another before and after the service. And as I mentioned earlier, today's about connecting. We have so many incredible opportunities for you to connect this month. And so uh, I'm going to put that off at the end and, uh, and, and jump right into our message today. Today we're engaging in a conversation called Love Well. Love Well. And uh, it's been a series we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. And today is the final part of that message. And we began talking about um, how God began to engage Moses' life, and his start was completely different than we would have ever expected, and he struggled with his identity. God came to Moses after he had been in the wilderness for 40 years. He had probably had just you know, given up on any kind of meaningful hope for the future, but God had not given up on him. He had uh, you know, cut all ties from Egypt and, 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 and had done some things and had to flee um, but he left his people in slavery and didn't know what to do. But God began to engage him. And God began to speak to him directly and lay out a plan specifically to him. All the things that we wish God would do in our own lives. And so as he began to do that, Moses was like, no, can you please send anybody else but, but me? And he was so afraid. And he had so many struggles with his own identity that uh, he began to he, be pushed back against God. And God was like, I will be with you, I will be with you. And Moses was reluctant all the way as he started. He needed somebody to come alongside of him and help him. And, and it was such a great picture, the opposite of what we would ever think in his own life. And so God is wanting you and I to know that he is going to be with us. He calls us who we are right now with our struggles, with our hangups, just like Moses had. We always look at some kind of great end product and we don't think that God can use us, but he's like, I want to use you as you are. And that's part of how we love well together. And then last week, we began to look at the story of Haggai and the book of Haggai, which is a, such a crazy name. It's a really short chapter in the Old Testament scriptures. And it's a short book, I should say. It's only two chapters long. But it's a significant part of the story of Israel and God's pursuit of them. And we look at this story and, we, and it helps us understand God's heart for you and I. And they began to rebuild the temple. They had been in captivity for 70 years, and they're finally getting back uh, to their homeland. They were beginning to rebuild, and they were, they were discouraged. They had great discouragement. 
over what they were seeing. It didn't look like it used to. Things were not like they were. And for me, as I've been reading through this passage and really kind of sitting on it, that speaks to me, right? Things have not been like they used to be. And we long for that to be normal. We long for that to happen. And it's easy in our world right now to to be discouraged. Things just kind of go up and down, up and down. And so God was saying, don't be ashamed or afraid of these small beginnings. I am doing a work in you and through this. And so he wanted to encourage them. And so today, I want to take a final look at this book of Haggai, because out of this encouragement that God sent them through his prophet Haggai, this whole, something else happened. It was really interesting, and it comes right after this encouragement, and it really actually kind of seems out of place. And to help us understand this, it, reading through this today reminded me of um, this, this phrase, and I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase before, but if someone comes up to someone, it's an old, old phrase, and they say, I have a bone to pick with you. Have you, I don't know if you've ever heard that before. It's not common at all. In fact, I've rarely heard it in my own life. And this morning, just to have fun with this phrase, I, I was eating breakfast with the kids, and I just point blank looked at one of them and said, I have a bone to pick with you. <laughs> and they just looked at me with the strangest look you could possibly look. Like, and so some of you, I don't know if you've heard it before, but what it means, and actually this goes way back to the 1800s, is where it originated sometime in England. It was the first written reference they have of this. And it means, like, I have a problem with you. Like, something has come up between us, and we need to talk about it. And, and what's funny is, just this, this random experience, uh, experiment I did with the kids this morning, they did feel like they were in trouble. Like, just, it's something about the way that it sounds like something's wrong. And it's the weirdest reference, because it has to do with a dog chewing on a bone. And eventually the dog just never stops, so he finally gets to the marrow inside. And so it's something about... You know, we have something to, to pick out together until we finally get to the heart or whatever, the meat of this substance. And it sort of doesn't work. But I experienced this phrase a long time ago from my father. He came and he said this to me. And he says, do you know what that means? And just like my kids this morning, I was like, nope. <laughs> and then he explained to me what it meant. And then my heart sunk. <laughs> it was like, oh, you, you have a problem with me today. And I don't have a clue what he told me, what he said. I don't remember that at all. But I remember the emotion of him needing to bring a problem to me. And so it was so like pronounced in that time. I remember where we are standing around our home. We're by these steps outside. The emotion of that struck me. Because we do not like that. We do not like to be engaged, uh, to have that happen, where somebody says, I have a problem. There's something that's happening between you and me, and we need to talk about this. And funny enough, talking to my kids this morning, even though they've never heard this phrase before, when I explained to them what it was, they actually felt that emotion. Even though I was trying to tell them this is just an example I'm doing today, I'm curious, they still were worried. We don't want that kind of interaction in our lives. It brings up emotions. We get tense. We get scared. We get defensive. And some of us, based on our history and our background, like we, we push away. It's an emotional reaction to have that happen. And so something like this began to happen between God and his people as he was engaging them. But what we know about these types of interactions is they, they come because someone's going to say that to you. I have, I have something that we need to talk about. It's kind of like a phrase of a press release. You know, this is something that I have going on. 
and we need to talk about it. And so you're kind of warning them before you say what it is. But you say that because you are in a relationship. You say that because you care about the other person. You want them to continue to be in relationship with, with you. You care about who they are. And that's why we have these conversations. It's because you're in a relationship. And so God begins to do this after the time of encouragement. But it kind of seems out of place. But we, we need to lean in and see why that is. And so, um, so God tells Haggai to ask his priest to help set this up. And this will seem so weird to you and I. But they would have understood it perfectly. So he says, this is found in Haggai 2. He says, if one of you is carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in his robes, which seems really weird to me, but anyway, and his robe happens to brush against some bread or stew, wine or olive oil, or any other kind of food, will it also become holy? And the priest replied, no. And so they had these, these rituals and these ceremonial things for their food. And this is a specific covenant between God and his people in this specific time. And so this isn't saying how we should be interacting with God now. This is what they had arranged with him then. And so uh, they would have meat set aside for sacrifice that were, that were pure and set aside holy. They were not to interact with anything else. He's like, so because of this, if they touch other things or other foods, does that suddenly make them holy? Does it rub off of them? And they're like, no, that doesn't happen. And so if you wash, it's like for us, if you wash your hands and you touch a dirty plate, does it make the plate clean? No. So that's the analogy, okay? And so then he asks them, he flips the scenario. He says, says, someone becomes ceremonial unclean by touching a dead person and then touches any of these foods, will the food be defiled? And so the priest answered, yes. And so the opposite scenario happens. It does influence. And he's talking to them about their wrongdoing. He's, He's beginning to talk to them about sin that was in their life. And it is like a disease. It's way easier to spread than holiness. So we have a phrase for that. We say, bad company corrupts good character. We don't really say, good company cleanses the bad people. Like, that's just, it sounds weird to even say that out loud. But but we say the other one, and we get it. It's so easy. It's like spaghetti sauce. If you ever sit down at a table, you're about to eat spaghetti, and you're wearing white, and you just know, you're like, well, there's nothing I can do. Like, you can have the best manners, be, the, be the, one of the best eaters in the world, be so incredibly careful, and it's just impossible. Like, if somebody else from the end of the table will somehow get it on you, like, it is guaranteed. I've done this at home, sit down with, like, a white shirt, and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to change before I eat dinner because I just know it's going to happen. It stains everything it touches or gets near. It just runs and jumps on you. <laughs> and so that's kind of like, it's, a, it's sort of an analogy. Okay, anyway. So Haggai continues. It says, Then Haggai responded, That is how it is with this people and this nation, says the Lord. Everything they do and everything they offer is defiled by their sin. He's like, Do you understand? Everything that everybody's been pursuing, even the stuff they're offering to God, they've gotten their lives backwards and rearranged. And it's messing everything up up all your pursuits and so we see God saying I have a there's a problem and he's letting them know this in which we we recoil from that and we don't want God to be like that with us and that's typically how God is presented I you do all these wrongs already come after you but this is happening because of a relationship 
God has a relationship with them, and he cares about them. And so what we see happening here is a pursuit from God. He is lovingly pursuing them. And so this is all throughout Scripture, all throughout history, and even now today. God is continually showing us that he's pursuing us. He's pursuing you today. And so this shows this loving relationship. He cares about them. He wants to lead them from and away from things that are destroying their lives. It's not just about punishment. It's actually about restoration. It's about restoring them and bringing them to life. And so what's happening, all the specifics about their circumstance was for this specific people group and this time that were committed to him as their Lord under this covenant. And all of this was leading up to Christ who was bringing a new covenant with us and between us and God where Christ would take it all. He would be the ultimate sacrifice for us. It's amazing, though, to see God's heart and how he pursues you and I, because that stays the same. And what he's helping them see is their motivation. Their motivation for results in their life. The motivation, they came back. They had been in captivity. They, they were a people of God. They cared about him. They were beginning to rebuild their lives. But they weren't putting him first, and they were feeling the consequences of that. And for you and I, many times, uh, we have a motivation for what you long to see happen in your life. Do you want to be fulfilled? Do you want to live a meaningful life? Do you want to experience God? Do you want to experience meaning and purpose? Many of you may be here today because of that desire to seek Him out, to experience those things. You and I, we want to be fulfilled. And so our natural place to pursue that is just with one another. We, we, we pursue ourselves. Like, what can I do to make myself be happy? And we pursue God then for personal results. You're pursuing him for some specific outcome. And that's how we all start with God, by the way. If you look at the scriptures, you look at the disciples that were following Christ, they did the exact same thing. This is how we all start. But God wants to help us understand that that ultimately will fall. It will fail. You can't be happy enough for yourself. And so what we see is God is wanting to move us from results motivating how we love others towards serving and loving out of our love for him. And then we let him be in charge of the results. We let him lead us. It's the transition where we begin to step out in faith and trust him. So all of us start that way, all right? And so God is longing for you and I to have a transformed heart. And as we think about what it means to love well, to love well and to love others, God wants us to understand that to really do that well, to love and engage God in an incredible way, is it comes from an actual transformed heart. We see love happen all in, around us in our culture. People are saying, I, you know, let's love well. Let's love others. All we need to do is love is love, right? And what I see is people that long for people to be treated correctly. People long to be treated equally. And we don't know why it's not, it's, it's not happening as much as we would like it to be. And so we make these statements. But then we're, what, what I see also that comes with that is I just can do whatever I want to. That, you know, that means for me to love, you just let me be who I am. I'm just going to do whatever I can, and that's me, and you let me be who I am. 
But God shows us that that doesn't always lead to good things. Our own hearts will lead us astray. They will lead us towards destruction. We do things, we have habits in our life that are harmful to us. And that's why God comes to us. And part of loving one another is saying the things that are difficult. God is a God who loves us deeply. And part of loving, if you are a parent, this is true. Our kids don't naturally know to, you know, stay away from the middle of the street. They will be run over by a car. As parents, we lovingly tell them no. We save them from danger. And part of love is saying, no, these things that you're pursuing can hurt you and destroy you, even if it's hard to say. And God does the same with us. And so when we want a result from God, what we are ultimately expressing is a desire to be fulfilled. You have passions that you want to pursue. You have connection that you desire to have with others, relationships that you would love to experience, fulfillment in all different kinds of ways. And God is ultimately the only one who can really fulfill that fully, more than anything else we can pursue. And God knows that. And that's why he pursues us to invite you towards the greatest thing you could experience. And God is patient with us. We come to him selfishly. He understands that. And he invites you and I into a journey towards him. In the journey of learning to trust him. And so when we look at our world and we hear people say, let's just love, let's love people. That's what we want too. But to love well, to love that kind of way, that actually is transformational, comes from a transformed heart. The fulfillment that we seek, it comes from a transformed heart, a a heart that God is renewing. So that's what we see with Moses. Moses was like, God, I stutter. God, I can't do these things. But God was after Moses. He was after saving his people and helping them see that they could depend upon him. But he was also after Moses' heart. And and Moses transformed. And God molded him into a leader that led strongly and that suddenly wasn't afraid. He was leading him towards a bigger story than he ever could imagine, helping the desires of his heart to come true. And you and I are invited into that. But to really begin to experience that, at some point, at some point for you and I, it means that we allow God in to lead us. We allow God in to say the hard things to us. And so that's what happens here. And so God wanted more than just a nice temple. And they were rebuilding this temple and all these things were happening But it wasn't really about that. He was after their hearts. Hearts that were devoted and obedient to him because that's the best thing that they could pursue that would fulfill them the most and lead them towards life. And so he reminded his people. And this is what Haggai says to them, that God was speaking through Haggai. He says, look at what was happening to you before you began to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. When you had hoped for a 20-bushel crop, you harvested only 10. When you expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds awesome. He says, you found only 20. 
That sounds pretty sad, right? Okay. He says, I sent blight and mildew and hell to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. Even so, you refuse to return to me, says the Lord. So God was sending these things in to remind them. And this is a comment they made. He said that he would do this if they turned from him. And it was a reminder. He's like, listen, he says, even then you refused. And he's like, more than anything else, I want your heart. But then he did turn back, and he's speaking to them now. And so he continues, and he says to them, and this is verse 19. He says, I am giving you a promise now. While the seed is still in the barn, you have not yet harvested your grain and your grapevines. Fig trees, pomegranates, and olive trees have not yet produced their grain. But from this day onward, I will bless you. So he calls them back, and they turn, and they're reminded, and he begins to lead them forward. And this is how God works in our lives. And what's tough for us is our motivation. All of us, as I said, begin a journey with him, saying, okay, God, I'm, I'm pursuing you. If you can just help me get this job, or like, Help me to connect with others. I want to find friendship. I want to find communities. I want to find a significant relationship. There's something in me that feels broken or hurt or whatever it may be. And God, please help. Like, we, we have an outcome. And if you look at the early disciples in the church, all the men and women that were following him, they all had a personal agenda. They're like, if we, you, we want you to take over Rome. We think that's what you're here for. Or you're going to put us in front. You see, over and over again, they came to him. Like, even parents, a mom came from some of the disciples one time and says, okay, which one of my sons is going to be the greatest in heaven? I want to figure out who's going to be on your right and left. Like, they were in this to get glory. Like, they were in this for themselves, and they, and they, they tell this about themselves. <laughs> it's amazing to see this. This is how we all start. But God led them to say, hey, you, this is not what, we're, what this is all about. He says, those are prideful things that will lead you destruction. And he would point to them. He would say, do you see the rulers and how they lord it over everybody? They ever all their power? That's what all of us would do. He's like, he says, the kingdom of God will be different. And so he steps in and says, there's something that is broken in you and I want to love you and help you walk away from this. And there's something that, that can only happen. Real transformation can only come from Christ. He is the only one that has shown us in the world that he is the Son of God. He showed us through his miracles. His resurrection showed us that he has the power to be risen from the grave. He has the power over life and death. He really is the true God. And real life transformational change can only come from his work in us. And so the question then is, how do we learn to let him do that work? And that takes faith. And so when it comes to loving well here at BCC, we want to love this city as Christ has loved us. And we want to create places for God to weave a story in your life, for you to be in community. And the beauty is, it starts by taking steps, by just taking simple steps and beginning to pursue him. So for those of you who say, I'm, I'm on this journey towards God. I don't know if I believe in him yet or not. 
That's the beauty of this. You're not invited to believe everything right now. You're invited to start in this journey. Begin to seek out what did Jesus say and ask questions of him. For us, everything starts with Christ. Did, did he really rise from the grave? Is he the son of God? And you just begin to pursue that. If you are a Christ follower today, are you allowing God to lead your life? Or we would say to be the Lord of your life. Or are you living your life stressed? Are you living your life maybe out of the burden of not following him well? And you've not been freed up in your heart to step into his grace, to know that he loves you. Or maybe you're leading your, your life is filled with anxiety and we're just pursuing the end of everything else in the world. And even though you accomplish this and you accomplish this and you knock off these tasks, you only feel more and more pressure and anxiety. When I feel that way, I'm reminded that I have been stepping away from him. And just like these people, my motivation has become wrong. I've put me at the top in the center. And all that does is bring me stress. But he wants us to rest in him. Because he has overcome the world. He's defeated death. That means that I can be at peace. No matter what the circumstances are. He's leading us to a place to rest in him and to trust him. And at times in my life, it means that there are people that say to me, Wayne, you see this? What's going on in your heart? What makes you be urgent about matters? What makes you be anxious about these things? What is Christ wanting to say to you? How can you trust him? And there are places that God, there are people that God used in my life to speak to me just like this. And he's given them wisdom. And he points me to scripture. And he points me to habits that help me to change. And I'm going to tell you, I don't like hearing it. Just like my father saying, I have a bone to pick with you, which was a really weird thing to hear. And then figuring out what he meant, I was in fear. But he did that because he loved me. He didn't want this relationship to go bad. He wanted to keep it. And God is the one who knows the best way for you to lead in your life. So what are the things that you long to see that, that make you be fulfilled? Do you know that your God longs for you to experience that? You know Jesus' words were, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And it is our experience of him and transformed hearts that actually help us to love in a real transformational way. And that's why we love this city. Coming up, starting this month, I'm really excited to announce, here's one simple step for some of you that you could take. Um, we're, we're launching a monthly initiative with the Sharing Place, I almost said that really weird, the Sharing Place Food Pantry. And uh, once a month, they do an incredible distribution, food distribution. They are the, the longest-running and oldest food pantry in the state. They've been around for a long time and do a great job of how engaging the community. They're about uh, just around a mile or less from here. And they do a monthly Saturday distribution to hundreds of families. They're connected, they say, to around 600 families in the Jersey City area. And any one-month weekend, they can easily engage 200 people or more. 
And they have plenty of people for that operation. But during the week is hard because people are at work and they get the food the week before and they have a lot of preparation. And so we've stepped into this and said, we want to be part of the solution. So once a, mo- once a month on Thursday evening, we are going to be gathering to help prepare their bags for distribution on Saturday. And so we're going to have a team that goes up. And we're starting this Thursday and you're invited to join us. This is a state that, step that you could take with us. I'd love for you to join me on this inaugural team as we, uh, we do this together. And then every month, you can join us or you can invite your dinner group or whoever can be part of that. That's a new first step for us that we're going to do for us to love this city and impact them. We, this is an opportunity through relationships we've had to see this is a, a need in our city, a need for them, and we get to serve other people. It impacts a lot. And then you get to meet people here in this church family in, the, in this neighborhood and serve with them. It's such a cool opportunity for us. So that starts this Thursday. We've done stuff with them in the past. This is a group that painted um, the floors two winters ago, uh, back in 2019, uh, back, back then. That's where I'm now going to start calling it, pre-2020. But anyway, um, we painted their floors, and we've done things together uh, in the past. So that's coming up soon. And then we have connection events. As we get to know one another, um, you're invited to connect. Our dinner group sign-ups are going to begin next week. And all of our dinner groups are leading connection events this month. We're going to have a group gathering at Surf City on September 24th. That's coming up. This Saturday, there's a group going to Lincoln Park to kayak. Uh, I think it's like 20 bucks a person, and so you can be part of that. We're doing a wing crawl here in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to be trying out different wing places. Uh, you can join me on that. I love some good wings. And so uh, if you want to find out good places to eat wings here in Jersey City, uh, you can help me critique and uh, I don't know what it's like being the third place. I think we're planning to go to three if it t- doesn't, the taste starts to mold. But anyway, we're going to do a wean crawl together. So you're invited. Uh, we want you to be a part of community here. We are passionate about you. And what's amazing is you're encouraged to take a step as you follow Christ. And then allow him to lead you. Allow others in your life to share the things that are not easy. When that time comes, And that takes time and trust. And you have a loving God who cares about you. So this fall together, let's lean in, engage, and and we will see God use, use you to love well. And all those things that you long for your life, you'll see that happen as well. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. We thank you today for your words, your words to us of life. I pray that we, when the opportunity comes one day, to trust you. When a hard moment comes or a difficult word, we would know that that's leading us to life. We thank you for this year that's coming and for the opportunities to be with one another. We are so grateful to be here in this place. So Father, we give this, the rest of this time to you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.